Well, good evening. It's good to see everybody that's here. Glad to have you joining with us uh, online there. Uh, we're there on Facebook and Twitter at HBC Tullahoma, on YouTube at Highland Baptist Tullahoma. Uh, so join us there on any one of those. If you want our phone live streaming number, if you'll just call the church and leave us a message, uh, that's at 931-455-0645. We'll be glad to send you uh, that phone number. Uh, let me also uh, encourage you. Uh, to go to our website, to highlandbaptistchurch.com. It's under the info tab there that you can download our worship bulletin. It's just a few over, so uh, you may want to go ahead and do that with all the events that are coming uh, up for that. And then also under that same tab, uh, you can find the children's worship bulletins. If you're here in person and you need either one of those, they're in the windowsill over here for the children's one. Uh, the bulletins are in both uh, windowsills. So be sure to take advantage of uh, those particular things uh, and do that. Let me just encourage you also that we have uh, there under that info tab also the prayer list. You'll want to get that downloaded. If you didn't get a prayer list uh, this evening, uh, we have some down here at the front. Uh, we'll be glad to give you one of those uh, if you didn't get one. Uh, and then also, as you are at home, see there on the screen, uh, our VBS kickoff is coming up Saturday, June the 4th from 6 to 7.30. We're going to be having food, fun, games, uh, a color run walk. I uh, want to encourage you to come for that. Uh, encourage all of our adults to come uh, for that also, just to help us talk to those families, uh, help us reach out to those families that will be coming for that fun activity uh, that evening. And then Vacation Bible School will begin the 6th through uh, the 10th from 6 to 8. 30. So if you've not signed up yet to help us with Vacation Bible School or you just want to help in some way, uh, we need people who can be floaters. We need people who can help with security. Uh, we need people that can help uh, with all kinds of things. I know the, the call was put out on Sunday that if any of your Sunday school classes can help with the meals uh, for one of those nights, I encourage you to take the time uh, to, to let Amanda know that, let myself know that, uh, or you can call the church office uh, and we'll be glad uh, to share that with you also. And then you'll notice in your bulletins, uh, when you download that, you can see it there on the screen. If you have not ordered your t-shirt, you can pull out your phone right now, open your camera, and that little QR code, uh, put it on it. You may even want to zoom in just a little. It'll put a, pop up a link thing on it. You just touch it, and it'll take you right to the link where you can order your t-shirt. If you don't want to do all that, it's real simple, I promise you. Uh, you don't have to pay anything at the time. You'll pay when your t-shirts come in. Uh, you can call the church office and let Amy know that first thing tomorrow because we'll be placing that order uh, this week. So uh, you'll want to go, go ahead and get that done. If you've not pre-registered for Vacation Bible School, you'll find that link on our Facebook page as well as on our church website. So I encourage you uh, to go to both of those uh, to find that link. Uh, for that tonight so you can go ahead and get registered also but get that t-shirt order in uh, because we will be ordering that either tomorrow or Friday uh, so I uh, just want to make you aware of that well brother Mike I think that's it if you want to come and uh, lead us in our hymn well I've got a lifesaver in my mouth Charlie Pride never sang without a lifesaver he always had one in his mouth when he got ready to sing I'm not Charlie Pratt. Um, pick up your hymnals, please, and let's turn to hymn number two. No, I'll sing. It's fine. Hymn two. Let's sing Holy, Holy, Holy. It's back. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. 
song shall rise to thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Holy, 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 all the saints adore thee, casting down their golden crowns around the glassy sea. Cherubim and seraphim falling down before thee, each word and dark and evermore shall be. Holy, 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 though the darkness hide thee, though the eye of sinful man thy glory may not see. Okay, <laughs> we're having to do double tasks tonight. Uh, is anybody there on Facebook right now? If y'all don't mind helping me, uh, someone uh, to help me keep up with that tonight, especially if there's any uh, prayer requests uh, that may be there uh, on Facebook. Hopefully we're live, and I haven't checked that yet, but hopefully we are uh, there. So hopefully you took the time to, if you're at home, to get this downloaded with our, our prayer list. So uh, that, again, is at highlandbaptistchurch.com under the info tab. Just a few tabs down that you can get that downloaded. Is there anybody in here that did not get one? I think everybody got them uh, after we made that announcement. So uh, as you take a look at your prayer list, you'll notice a few uh, that we do have on, some that we have some updates on. Uh, of course, uh, still want to remember Bertie Davis and the passing of her son. Uh, things are improving some there uh, with her. I think they're going to be having a, a celebration of life service uh, later uh, once they get all the arrangements finished. So uh, just continue to keep her in your prayers. She's still going through some 
some medical things, uh, but she was able to be here this past Sunday, and that was good and encouraging. Uh, we also have Cindy Ingram uh, down there on our HBC family list. Uh, she's got had several medical issues that we mentioned last week. Uh, she had been in the hospital. She's out of the hospital. Do you? Okay, so she is at home, and uh, we've seen her on Facebook there, so that's good uh, that she's improving uh, with that. But we did want to make sure to mention her again tonight on our prayer, on our prayer list. Uh, we do want to remember on our friends and family list again also, uh, Cindy Cruz, who is my uh, cousin who lives here in Tennessee. She, is, she has liver cancer and is going to be starting here in the next week uh, some cancer treatments down in Atlanta. So I want to remember her in your prayers. And then if you'll follow on down to Jason and Laura Curtis, uh, he's a pastor at Liberty Baptist in Winchester. Uh, his wife has been waiting on a liver transplant list, but she's also got um, uh, diabetes and several other things that are going on, and, and they're really struggling. He just lost his job at the hospital down there, uh, is now working with the sheriff's department, uh, so, uh, it, but that has no benefits now. So. Uh, just want to uplift that family in our prayers. Our association is going to be reaching out to, to help them. If you would like to help uh, this family, please see me and I'll get you some information on that. And when we were asked to add Ryan Bond to our prayer list, uh, who has cancer, we had had Anna Johnson on our prayer list. She was the neighbor of, of Marlene Parker. Uh, I had met her at the hospital through the chaplaincy program there. She passed away last Wednesday morning, and we had just taken her off. But they're going to be having her celebration of life this Saturday uh, at 10:30, from 10 to 10:30 for family or for family and friends, and then the service at at 10:30. Uh, and so, and that'll be at Tullahoma Funeral Home. Uh, so remember that family in your prayers. And then Brian Tate had asked if we had added Louis uh, uh, Rico to the prayer list, uh, who has several medical issues. I believe he had a stroke, uh, also. So want to remember him in prayer. Any others that we need to add to the prayer list tonight? Any of you at home, be sure to uh, add those to the prayer list. There, uh, you can you can just comment there on the on Facebook. If you're on YouTube or one of the other platforms, we won't see your comment there till after the service tonight. You can make a comment there, uh, but we'll see this we'll see it live during the Facebook feed. So if you want to comment and want that prayer list mentioned tonight, or that put on the prayer list tonight. Uh, please do that on Facebook, and we'll get that uh, mentioned tonight. Otherwise, you can send us an email uh, and let us know of any prayer requests that need to be added. You can call the church office uh, also and do that, too, uh, to add those to the list. But anybody else in here? Okay, so remember Linda Ray, uh, she was scheduled to have a surgery. They found a cyst uh, and uh, had to focus on the cyst rather than the surgery, and so she's going through some stuff with that, and we'll be rescheduling the surgery later, but just want to uplift her in your prayers too. Anybody else? Yes.
Okay, and so Ms. Ella was uh, just giving us an update there on Ashley Simmons on the friends and family side of your list at home. Uh, she has cancer, or he has, is he, right? He has cancer uh, and is really struggling with that right now. Um, has some connection there to the Prince family uh, also that comes to our church. So we want to uplift Ashley in your prayers. And then also there's several of us from our church that are going to be going to Calgary, uh, Alberta, Canada this summer, uh, the middle of July. Uh, so hopefully it'll be cooler up there than it will be here at that time. Uh, but just pray for the, the opportunities that we may have there. Uh, pray for the mission work that's going on there uh, with the new church plants. We're going to be having some meetings coming up soon to get prepped and ready for that. So uh, keep us in your prayers as we uh, get ready for that. Anybody else? All right. Uh, just double check here on Facebook. I uh, don't see any there. So let's go ahead and go to the Lord uh, in prayer uh, tonight, and then we'll get into our message. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for your grace and for your mercy, and thank you for your presence tonight. Lord, you know each and every person that's on this prayer list. You know their hearts. You know their life. Uh, you know their situation that they're going through. You know the struggles they're facing. Uh, Father, you know the valleys that they're going through. You know some of these who uh, have experienced great mountaintop experiences and seeing your handiwork in, in their lives. And so we just pray, God, that uh, right now, first and foremost, you would hear our prayers for forgiveness of our sins uh, because we don't want anything to hinder our prayers as we pray on behalf of each one of these individuals. And so, Lord, we just ask for the cleansing, precious blood of Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us, and to help us, Lord, to, to walk faithfully with you each and every day, doing the things that we should be doing and not doing those things that you've commanded us not to do. And so, Father, I pray that you would uh, just help us, Lord, to realize whatever those things are uh, so that we might confess them. And, Father, we do pray, indeed, that you will hear our prayers and not only hear our prayers but answer our prayers in a powerful way. Lord, we have seen you do that in many people's lives, and we just pray, God, that you will continue to do that, that you'll do that in an awesome way, Lord, as you bring uh, healing to these people. Uh, Father, we not only pray that for them personally, but we pray that, Lord, for your name's sake. Uh, that it'll be a witness and testimony, Lord, of your saving grace and power and mercy. And, Lord, that you will use each one of these uh, testimonies of, of your, you working in their lives to, to bring physical healing, to help people to see that you can do the ultimate healing of the spiritual uh, needs that are in our hearts. And so, Father, we just pray that if there's any other needs besides physical needs here, which many times there are, uh, sometimes, Lord, there are spiritual needs as we struggle when we go through physical difficulties like this. Sometimes there's financial needs. Uh, sometimes there's marital and family needs. And so we just want to uplift all of those things to you, Lord, and ask you to wrap your loving arms around each one of those individuals. Uh, make your presence known to them. Show your power in a great and mighty way. And, Father, we just pray that uh, as you do that, Lord, we pray that uh, you will give these individuals as they trust in you a peace that passes all understanding. We pray for healing for them. We know you're the great physician, so we uplift them to you. Uh, Lord, we do praise you and thank you for doctors and nurses and those in the healthcare uh, system that you've given that wisdom and knowledge uh, and understanding to be able to take care of us. Uh, and so, Lord, we pray that you'll continue to guide them uh, with the care of these individuals, but we know ultimately uh, their healing lies in your hands. And so, Father, we just ask for your healing uh, for these individuals. Father, we pray for uh, our 
our upcoming mission trips uh, that, that are going to be coming up, the youth trips also, the, the children's camp uh, that will be coming up, a vacation Bible school that's coming, all of those summer events that we're going to be doing. Lord, we just uplift them all to you and ask for uh, your will to be done. Lord, open opportunities through vacation Bible school for us to reach other children, to reach their parents, uh, to reach their families. Father, we pray that uh, you will help us to see whatever place it is you would have us to serve in those ministries. And Father, I pray that uh, you will be with each one of those ministries as the children and the youth go to their camps. Lord, I pray that you'll begin preparing their hearts even now uh, for receiving that message uh, that they'll hear as they're there at camp and that they'll grow closer uh, to you through the word that they hear there and the time that they spend with you there. And Father, I pray that they will come back excited on fire uh, for Jesus and making a difference in, in their schools and in their communities. Father, I pray that uh, you will indeed be with us as we prepare and get get to the business of planning and getting ready to go to Calgary uh, this summer. Father, I pray that you will watch over us uh, on that trip, prepare the way for us in going there and back uh, with all the things that are going on around this world right now. And then also just, Lord, to, to be with those missionaries, those church planters that are there. Lord, I pray that you've given them the vision of the things uh, that we can be doing there to help them and to assist them in the work that you've called them to. And Father, I pray that we in our hearts will be just servants, Lord, to come alongside them to fill in the gap where they need us to fill in and to help them, Lord, in reaching the lost people there in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So Father, prepare the people's hearts of Calgary, prepare the, the hearts of the church planters, and prepare our hearts uh, as the mission team that will be going. So Father, I just pray for your blessings upon us tonight as we study your word. Open your word to us and help us to see uh, the power of your truth. Uh, here in the book of Revelation, I pray, God, that it will speak to our hearts and to our lives. And we just ask, God, for your will to be done, for your name to be glorified and honored. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, take your Bibles, if you will. Mine says something went wrong. Are we still on? Those of you who are on Facebook. It could just be my phone. We're still on? Okay. Good. My phone says something went wrong, so I don't know what that was. Good. If you see me make a face, it's because of computer stuff. <laughs> All right, so if you'll take your Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 9 and verse uh, 13, uh, we're going to be looking here at the second half of this um, particular section here. Uh, we started this part last uh, week, and um, if you'll remember, you have your charts. I hope you have your charts or your, your numbers charts also. There are charts that are down here on the front uh, of, the po of, the, of the stage. If you want one of those, you can feel free to get up and to get one of those. Uh, it shows what you see here uh, on the screen. If you're at home, you can see that on your screen. Uh, we'll be glad to send you one of those free of charge. You can also go to David Jeremiah's website, turningpoint.com, uh, and you can order one of those uh, from their ministry. Uh, but we've already looked at those seven letters to the seven churches. We're, we've already passed this part uh, where you see of the seven seals. Uh, we are in the midst of the 
seven trumpets. Uh, and then we're going to come, that's going to naturally open right up into uh, the seven bowls. Uh, and then there's, there's actually a little interlude time in there, if you'll notice, uh, between the trumpets and between the bowls uh, that we'll be talking about. In fact, what we're looking at right now uh, here in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 9, uh, is going to take us actually uh, several chapters uh, to get from uh, the fifth to the sixth and then eventually to the seventh uh, trumpet. Uh, and so uh, we talked about last time uh, in the first part of chapter 9, the fifth angel who blew his trumpet, and things got bad. If you'll remember, uh, these trumpets that we're looking at in the fifth, sixth, and seventh trumpet, those three trumpets are what we call woe trumpets. Uh, they're trumpets uh, of woe, of judgment uh, that is coming. Uh, and so what you're going to see here in, in the next section here of Revelation uh, chapter 9 is we're going to begin to see the sixth angel who's going to come to blow his trumpet. So we finished last week with verse 12 that says, The first woe has passed. Behold, two woes are yet to come. And what you see on the screen there is some of the last things uh, that we'll see. But what I want you to see tonight is this, the preparation uh, of the demonic angels. And that's what we're going to see what this uh, sixth trumpet uh, is all about uh, in this preparation of the demonic uh, forces. You know, with the advent of space travel and rockets and jets, uh, uh, there, there developed in our culture over the last century uh, a, a, an interest and, and really a fascination uh, with that genre of literature uh, that came to be known as science fiction. Uh, never really heard of science fiction before uh, the 1900s, but back in the 1930s, uh, I don't know if anybody was listening to the radio back in that day in the 1930s, but you may remember the story um, that uh, there was back in the 1930s, that fascination had developed from the possibility of an invasion from outer space. And actually in the late 1930s, in fact, in 1938, a famous incident took place involving Orson Welles. Anybody remember that, at least the story of it? Uh, he, he was narrating a part in a radio play uh, entitled The War of the Worlds uh, over the radio. And, and so as people turned on their radios, uh, they were expecting to, to hear their normal, regular broadcasts. And, and it begins that way, even with the play. It begins playing some music like everything's going fine. And then all of a sudden, they interrupt the broadcast and Orson Welles begins uh, his acting there, and, and basically uh, it was a, a, a story, if you will, of an invasion from outer space. Well, when people heard that, there were people who actually believed. There were aliens who were invading uh, the state of New Jersey, uh, Martians, in fact, and, and because his, his portrayal was so good uh, that it almost sent the entire nation uh, into a panic. Uh, you know, ironically, the Bible teaches that someday a worldwide invasion is going to take place. But it's not going to be an invasion from outer space, but rather from inner space. Uh, there's going to be an army, uh, as we're going to see here, of 200 million satanic demons that are going to be unleashed to do battle with the forces of earth. It truly is going to be a war of the worlds. Uh, and so this war uh, will be between the physical world 
and uh, of humanity and the spiritual world of hell. Uh, it's going to see more people killed than all the other wars of human history combined. It's going to make World War I and World War II look like minor skirmishes. Uh, we're going to read here tonight a very descriptive picture of this war. Uh, and so I want to just lay out that warning to you first and foremost that it will be a depressing picture. It will be a demoralizing picture. You're going to see horror. You're going to see hurt. You're going to see heartache. Uh, you're going to see heartbreak in an unprecedented scale. Uh, you're going to see the hardness of people's hearts uh, as, as, as this judgment comes uh, upon them. Uh, and you're going to see them in a new light. God is going to use this army from hell to demonstrate both the sweetness of the Savior and the stubbornness of the sinner. And so we're going to see here that this war is divided into three stages. That's the first stage that you see on the screen there is the preparation of the demonic angels. You see that in verse 13 down through verse 15 because we're told specifically that these demons have been, uh, have been and even now are being uh, prepared to strike the earth at a moment's notice. Uh, we're going to see that both these angels and the world are being prepared for the unleashing of the, of the demonic attack uh, on the earth. And so uh, notice the first thing about uh, these, the preparation here is that they are released at God's command. They are released at God's command. So let's look at verse 13 and verse 14. Uh, if you will. So verse 13 begins and says, And the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So you get the image here and the picture here that at the blowing of this sixth trumpet, a voice comes forth from the golden altar uh, and, and commands this sixth angel to release these four angels who so far have been bound, have been imprisoned, uh, and, and they're not going to be released until God gives the command. We're told that the voice comes in verse 13 there from the four horns of the golden altar before God. So the question then, as you see in verse 13 there, is why? Why that place? Why that particular location? Well, in the Bible, horns are a symbol of power and authority. You'll also remember, if you remember from your numbers charts that you may have with you there, the number four represents what? The number of the earth. Uh, that's exactly right. There are four seasons. There are four points to a compass, north, east, south, west. We talked about several of those things uh, with that. And, and so this represents God's power over the earth. The altar is involved because in the Bible, the altar was the place of salvation. You think about it, in the Old Testament, that's where the innocent lamb was slain on the altar for the sins of the people. In the New Testament, the altar is the cross uh, where, where the, the lamb of God is crucified uh, for our sins. And so the altar reminds us uh, that there are two sides of the coin of salvation. On the one side is mercy, but on the other side is judgment. And so understand this, when Jesus is on the cross... He is paying the judgment for your sin debt. Uh, 
The Bible tells us that the wages of our sin is death. And so that's the judgment side of the salvation coin. But there's the mercy in that Jesus is taking your place that you deserved. And it was the same way in the Old Testament. Uh, as you'll see in, in the Bible, whenever somebody receives salvation, uh, someone or something else had to receive judgment. And so in the Old Testament, it was that innocent lamb uh, that, that received it. In the New Testament, it, it was the blood uh, of the Lamb of God. And so the altar was a place of salvation, but it was also a place of judgment. Uh, but here, salvation is past. So when you hear this voice come out from under the altar, it's coming from the place not here now of salvation. That's already passed at this point. This is not the altar of salvation. This is the altar of judgment. And so these four angels that are released are angels of judgment, not angels of mercy. Uh, these are not the same four angels that you read about back in chapter 7 and verse 1. These angels are bound and they have to be released. That's how we know that they are not the same four. Uh, because in fact, that's what he tells us uh, here about these uh, four in verse uh, 14 there. He says, release the four angels because by implication of that, they've been bound. So they're not the ones from chapter 7. Well, these angels are bound, they have to be released, and that gives us a clue to who these angels are. In the Bible, God's angels are never bound. Remember that? So, so they're never bound. Whose angels are? The devil's. So these are demons. And so as we've seen in chapter in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4, when we read last week in Jude verse 6, bound angels are fallen angels. And that's what, what we know as and what we refer to as demons. And so these angels are actually demonic angels, not divine angels. They're the devil's uh, demons who are devoted to doing his will. Now, I believe we're told even more specifically in the word of God who these four demons are. And we're given a clue to their identity. Uh, and this is one of those places where sometimes in the book of Revelation, we have to go back to the Old Testament or to some of those other prophetic passages to understand what uh, the book of Revelation is talking about here. So you go back to Daniel and Daniel's uh, book, Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12 uh, through verse uh, 13. Daniel says this in, in his vision there. He says, Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. So if you remember the story that's going on there, Daniel has prayed, and this is the angel speaking to Daniel saying, Before you ever uttered a word, uh, before, you, before all that ever happened, I heard your words, and I have come because of your words. Verse 13 says, The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. And so this was obviously in these verses some demonic influence that was hindering the prayer of Daniel. And so Daniel just kept on praying and the angel said, here's why I was late, because I was held up here by the prince of the kingdom of Persia. And so we read then further, we read of another prince who did spiritual warfare with Daniel in verse 20 and verse 21 of that same chapter in Daniel chapter 10. And we read there that then he said, do you know why I have come to you? Uh, but now I will 
return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book uh, of truth. There is none who contends by my side except Michael, your prince. So what does all that mean? Well, it's important to notice that these four angels we read about in the book of Revelation here are at the great river Euphrates. You remember that in verse 14. Uh, there have been four worldwide kingdoms in history, uh, and all four began at the Euphrates. Uh, there was the Babylonians, there's the Persians, there's the Grecian Empire, and there's the Roman uh, Empire. And, and all of those began at the Euphrates River. The Babylonian Empire began there. Uh, on the hills of the Babylonians came the Persians uh, there also, and then the Greeks, and then the mighty Romans. Now, the Euphrates River has a lot of importance uh, for even other reasons. Uh, think about this. It was in the region of the Euphrates River uh, that, that man even saw the light of day. This is the river. Uh, this, is, this river is one of the four rivers that flowed out of the Garden of Eden. So if you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, you're going to read about the river Euphrates. Uh, and it was there that man was created and began uh, in the book of Genesis. It was there that Satan comes and tempts man. The first time we see him come on this planet and cause the fall uh, of the human race, it was there that the first murder was committed in that region. Uh, it was there that man first organized and rebelled against God uh, when they built the Tower of Babel. That's in the area of the river of Euphrates. Uh, and so uh, that Tower of Babel was built, and with that tower, secularism and humanism made, a, made its grand entrance into the human minds. And so it's here that Satan's, Satan resumes his kingdom only to seal his doom. And so notice the river Euphrates is going to be both the cradle of, uh, of the kingdom of Satan and also the grave of the kingdom of Satan. It's the dividing line, if you will, even today between east and west, between what we call the Near East and the Far East. Uh, one day it'll be the eastern boundary of the Promised Land again. But notice particularly that these angels are not released until God gives the command. The second thing uh, we see here is that not only are they are released at God's command, they are also released under God's control. Now that may seem foreign to us, but notice what we see in these verses. These demons are released at exactly the time and the day and the hour and the year that's appointed to them. So notice verse 15, if you will. Verse 15 says this, so the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year were released. Now, we're just going to stop right there. We'll come to that last part in just a moment. But in other words, what he's saying is, is that the exact moment that God says, and it's only a moment that God knows and that's appointed by God, are these four angels going to be released. These angels aren't released by chance. They aren't released by choice. This cataclysmic event that we see is going to take place right on schedule. Not our schedule, but God's schedule. And so God's timing is imperceptible, but it's also impeccable. It's never late. 
He's never early. God is right on time, even though sometimes we find it hard to understand. We sometimes, even today, you think about this, we look at the world and the earth around us and we say, why doesn't God do something? I mean, we, we see all of the sin and all of the, uh, the, the, the turmoil that's in our world and, and people who are abused and stuff. And we say, why doesn't God do something now? Do you get what we're saying there? We're more concerned about time. God is concerned about timing. Timing for God is more important uh, than, than time itself. Because God is never early and God is never late. But sometimes we are. Uh, a man got a call from his doctor one day, and his doctor said, well, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. And so the man said, well, what's the good news? And the doctor said, well, the good news is you've only got 24 hours to live. And he said, what? He said, well, what on earth is the bad news? He said, well, I tried to call you yesterday. <laughs> sometimes we can be a little late, and sometimes we can be too early. But God is neither one of those. He is always on time. You know, because you could have even looked in the day uh, of when Jesus came to, to die on the cross. I'm sure there were people in that day were wondering, where's the Messiah? Why doesn't God do something now and send the Messiah and free us now? Because that's what they were focused on, was the physical release uh, from the Roman Empire. And yet God wasn't so much concerned with time as he was with timing, in that God sent his only begotten son in the perfect time. Not a moment too early, not a moment too late. And so what this verse is telling us is that everything is under God's control. Nothing happens without his approval. Not a speck of dust moves, not a blade of grass stirs, not a shot can be fired without God knowing all about it and granting its permission. So when you study the Bible carefully, you find out that God is totally in control of this world. He's, con he's in control in the natural world. He's con in control in the financial world. He's in control in the political world. He's in control in the spiritual world. Now, some of those you might be thinking, why is he in control of the, of the financial world? If he's in control of the financial world, why is he letting my stocks <laughs> and my, my retirement go down and I'm losing so much? If he's in control of the financial, what about the political? We sometimes think about it in that respect. God, you see what's happening politically around our nation. Why don't you send us godly leaders? Why don't you do something now? But notice, God is in control. And, and because, you know, because there is evil and suffering in this world, there have been some who have tried to argue against even the existence of God. And the, and the question is, how can a sovereign uh, God, how can a gracious God allow evil in this world? When you're looking at Revelation 9 and you're seeing all of this terrible things that are happening and all of this judgment that happens and these four demons that are having to be released uh, to go throughout the earth here, uh, the question is how can that sovereign, gracious God allow evil into this world? You know, different people have expressed it in different ways. Uh, but this is the way the Greek philosopher Epicurus stated it. Uh, God either wishes, he said this, God either wishes to take away evil and is unable, or he's able and unwilling, or he's neither willing nor able, or he is both willing and able. If he's willing, Epicurus said, but unable, he's weak. 
which isn't in accordance with God, the character of God. If he's able and unwilling, he's envious, which is equally at odds with God. If he's neither willing nor able, then he's both envious and weak and therefore not God. If he's both willing and able, which alone is suitable for God, then what is the source of these evils? And so why doesn't God just remove it all? Why doesn't, uh, you know, at first glance, when you hear that argument, it seems to be a difficult argument. Because the argument kind of goes like, if there's evil in this world, it's proof that God either doesn't exist or he can't do anything about it. Because if he could do something about it, he would have done something about it. If he can't do anything about it, then he's not God, and so God doesn't exist is their argument. But I believe that's the very, uh, that the very presence of evil tells us there is a God. And that that God is great enough to allow it to exist, to not be hindered by its working, and in fact to use it to accomplish his purpose. And so what you're going to see in this passage and even continuing on through the book of Revelation is that God is even greater than all the evil in, in this world and in this universe. He's in control even of the demonic world and will one day triumph over it. Even this demonic army is released only at God's command and only under God's control. How do we know that? Because look at this next part. Notice the power of this demonic army. Notice the power of this demonic army. Notice what it's told us again in verse 15. I'll give you a moment to, to jot that down, the power of the demonic army. But as you're turning to verse 15 again, we'll read that part we talked about earlier. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour the day, the month, and the year. Here's the part you want to focus on, this last phrase. Were released to kill a third of mankind. So they only have one purpose, and that's to kill. But notice, they can only kill one-third. They can't do two-thirds. They can't wipe out the population from the face of the earth. Only one-third. So there again goes back to that limitation that they're under God's control in that respect. And so they have only that one purpose. Uh, they're limited by the Lord. And these are uh, the devil's assassins, if you will, these bloodthirsty spirit beings who have only one desire, and that's to spread uh, death, to spill the blood of men from one end of this earth to the other. This holocaust that's going to happen that verse 15 is telling us about is is so great that one-third of all the people on the earth... Now, remember, who are these judgments coming against? Always keep that in perspective in mind. This judgment is not against God's people. This is against those who love the world. It's against those worldly inhabitants, the earth lovers, the earth dwellers. One-third on this earth will be killed. And so if you base that on the current population of the earth today, that would be almost two and a half billion people. Two and a half billion people. So remember that the earlier tribulation that we've already read about in the pouring out of the seals, or in the opening of the seals, the, in that tribulation, one-fourth of the earth's population was eliminated by the fourth seal judgment. If you go back to Revelation 6, verse 7, and verse 8, you find out that one-fourth 
uh, before this one-third is taken off the, off the face of the earth. So now the population has already been reduced by one-fourth. Now it's reduced again by one-third. And that means that before we've even reached the middle of the tribulation, about half of the world's population has died under the judgments. Imagine what we see here, as we're going to see in, in, in verse 16. Uh, in fact, let's go ahead and, and read that verse, if you will. It says about this army that's going to be released, it says, The number of mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number. So you math geniuses, what is that amount? How many? Two million? It's twice 10,000 times 10,000. 200 million strong in this army. Wow. Can you just imagine that? 200 million. So that means here, as we're looking at here, imagine this army so powerful that it can kill in one fell swoop two and a half billion people. We're told in detail what a great army this is. We just read it there twice 10,000 times 10,000 or 200 million strong. To give you an idea of the size of this army, it would fill up a line of troops one mile wide and 87 miles long. Back to back, front to front. If the people in that day, think about this, had known uh, the population of the earth, they would have laughed at this part of the Bible. Because it would have been ludicrous in that day because when this was written, there weren't even hardly 200 million people on the earth at this time when John is writing this revelation. We're talking here about an army that's just two-thirds of the population of the United States of America. To put it into perspective for us even, at the height of World War II, the United States only had 12 million people in its armed forces. Statistics estimate today that China boasts a total population of almost 1.5 billion people with a total militia of 4 million people. In other words, it's about 0.26, not even a whole percent, about a quarter of a percent of their population is in their militia at this current time. Whereas the U.S. has 2.2 million in our militias, which is 0.65% of our population. So we, even though it's minuscule, we still have a higher percentage of our population in our militia than they do. So there's a lot more resource to tap into in their country. If you were to take the countries of India and China, you would have a population of about 3 billion people with 9.1 million total militia or 0.30% of their total populations. So when you get those numbers, that can be huge numbers that kind of blow our minds to even conceive. We can perceive, at least, uh, with, with, uh, nine, with 3 billion people being in just China and India, you could easily conceive uh, having 200 million people in a militia between those two countries. As I was doing the figures on that, do you know what percentage that is when you combine those two countries together? It's 6.666%. I was blown away when I saw that, uh, of their combined, you know what that 666 is, and we'll get to that soon. Who knows, though, in particular, who this army would be from, the East, 
Com- maybe it's uh, combined with others uh, from the east uh, that will one day come and do battle with the forces uh, of the west. Ultimately, we're going to see they're going to come against Israel. Uh, we'll get to that also later uh, in the prophecies here. But it, it wouldn't be any problem to conceive for us today of an army that size. So notice what he says at the end of verse 16 here. He says, I heard their number. So we, we see the, and hear the sound uh, of this army. And notice John doesn't say, I saw their number. Other places, when he's looking out at the groups of people that are gathered around the throne in those places, he says that terminology, I saw their number, and then would tell us their number. Here he says, I heard their number. Uh, and then tells us their number. Uh, there, there were too many for John to count, so John just listens to them. And could you just imagine the sound that John hears? Uh, think of a troop, an endless troop. Uh, we said one mile wide, 87 miles long, 200 million soldiers, their feet beating out a rhythmic uh, rolling of drums, the cadence uh, of their march sounding like thunder in his ears. And with each step, You hear death, and you hear destruction, and you hear desolation, and you hear depression. What a sound this was for John to hear. Then notice the strength of this army. You see that in verse 17. Verse 17 and verse 18 says this. And this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode them. They wore breastplates the color of fire and of sapphire and of sulfur. All of those are important. We're going to explain what those are. And the heads of the horses were like lion's heads, and fire and smoke and sulfur, there's that same description again, came out of their nostrils. And then verse 18 says, by these three plagues, what three plagues? You're going to see it back there again, fire, smoke, and sulfur. Uh, A third of mankind was killed by the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. And so notice here, we're told the breastplates have colors, red, blue, and yellow. These colors correspond with fire, smoke, and brimstone that's coming out of the mouth of the horses. Fire often has the appearance of being red, Smoke often takes, the, uh, takes on a bluish-black uh, color. Brimstone is what we would call today sulfur, which, of course, is yellowish in nature and appearance. These horses are described as having the heads like lions. Um, and and it, it says there that, that out of their mouths also comes this fire, smoke, and brimstone. These are the weapons of hell and also symbols of God's judgment. God, if you remember back in the Old Testament, where was fire and brimstone used? In the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember that? In, in chapter 14 and verse 10 that we're going to get to later, we're told that God is going to use fire and brimstone to destroy the city of Babylon that humanistic city of Babylon. He's also going to use these same elements to judge the beast and the false prophet. You'll see that in chapter 19 and verse 20. He's going to use those same elements to destroy Satan in in Revelation 20 verse 10. And eventually all of those unbelievers who have rejected Jesus, Revelation 21 verse 8. What power this army has. 
that just by that fire and that smoke and the brimstone there uh, that, that they could bring such destruction. Notice the savagery of this army in verse 19. Notice it says in verse 19, For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. Now last week we were talking about scorpions. This week now we're talking about serpents. If my wife was here, that's one of the things she hates. She hates snakes. Any of you like snakes? I don't like snakes either. Only a good snake is a dead snake for me. <laughs> and so notice that these satanic soldiers, they're not simply satisfied with murdering and killing one-third of the world. They also hurt the remaining two-thirds. So they're not allowed to kill the remaining two-thirds, but they are allowed to hurt the remaining two-thirds uh, th that are alive. So their tails will be used like poisonous snakes to hurt. You know, there are snakes today, like, like the cobra, that can blind people by spitting its poison into their, into their eyes. There are other snakes who bite, uh, and when they bite, their bite paralyzes. Others whose bite destroys tissue and muscle permanently. So you can begin to see that part of the people uh, that's not going to be hurt, so you've got a third that are killed, but this two-thirds is going to be maimed and paralyzed and blinded and crippled and deformed by this horrible army. What a savage army this is. But notice here, when we come to our third point, the purpose of this demonic attack in verse 20 and 21. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues, that third, notice what it says, did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood which cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Notice that after this war of the worlds has ended, we're told that while one-third is killed, two-thirds uh, is spared, but they are hurt and suffering. So think about it. Think about this. God could have allowed those invincible, that invincible demon army to just destroy all of mankind. But he doesn't. But we're told also something else. We're told that two-thirds of the world that was spared, not only are they hurting and in pain from, from the bite of the serpents on these horses, notice also that we're told that the two-thirds of the world that was spared, they refuse to repent and get right with God. Their response wasn't humble repentance, but arrogant rebellion. These two facts, the fact that two-thirds of the world are spared, but this two-thirds refuse to repent, explains the purpose of the demonic attack. One of the reasons was what we see here, to reveal the willingness of God. So why does it seem like God is prolonging the agony? Why doesn't he, we talked about this last time, why didn't he just get it all over with? Why didn't he just bring his judgment all in one fell swoop? Why does it seem if he's dragging his feet? Why all these woes? Why all these trumpets? Why all these seals? Why all these bowls? Why doesn't God just get it over with? Wipe the rebellious people from the face of the earth. Why didn't God allow this demonic army to just finish the job? Well, the answer, I believe, is found in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 that says this. The Lord is not slow 
to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. You see, even in the midst of God's judgment, you still see God's goodness. God wants people to repent. We're told in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kind, God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? And God specifically says in Ezekiel 33 verse 11, Say to them as I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? There's one thing throughout all the revelation that never changes, and that is the heart and the will of God. Even in the midst of this terrible time of rebellion and blasphemy, it's not, it's not the will of God that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the only reason that, that we haven't yet felt the burning heat of the fire of God's wrath yet is because of his love and his patience. And quite frankly, think about it. If we were God and the people of this world were doing that to us as God, we would wipe them out. We'd have been done. We would have wiped them out centuries ago. But thank God he is a God of mercy. And he is a patient God who loves us and wants us to be saved. And then the other reason for this judgment is also to reveal the wickedness uh, of men. We see in this, uh, in the revealing of the wickedness of men, uh, that we ought to expect, we would have expected that those who were spared, what would they do? Surely they would cry out to God and say, thank you, Lord, that we were spared. Uh, we come and repent. You would have thought they'd fall on their face and repent and get right with God. But notice, if you look at the New King James Version here in verse 20, it uses the word but. And I think that's probably accurate the way that should be there. Uh, but then notice a phrase that's repeated, though, twice, once in verse 20, once in verse 21. It's the phrase, did not repent. That's incredible because at the end of the first series of judgments, under the seals, people were horrified. But in the end of these series of judgments, of these trumpets, people are just hardened. I mean, that really shouldn't surprise us, though, because if people won't repent now, they surely won't repent then. The Bible teaches us that if a person doesn't want to be saved here on earth, they won't be saved later in hell. If a person doesn't love God here and now, they won't love God in the life to come. And that's what Luke 13 uh, and verse 28 uh, has to say. Uh, notice there, there will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. That gnashing of teeth is the sound like of a mad dog or a wild animal that they make when they're under an attack. In the Bible, it's an act of rage. It's an act of anger. In fact, we're told in Acts 7, 54, you remember when Satan preached about Jesus, or Stephen preached to the Pharisees, about Jesus, uh, they were, the Bible says in Acts 7, 54, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. You know what people in hell are doing right now? They're cursing God. They're shaking their fists in the face of God. They're, the, the, these people left on earth, we're told, will over and over uh, choose sin over salvation. And notice the kinds of sin that will be prevalent and prominent in these last days of tribulation. Three quick kinds here we'll mention. There is the sin of spiritual idolatry in verse 20. Uh, it tells us there uh, that these false uh, religions uh, will, will consume 
the hearts of, of men, uh, humanism, which is the work of their hands that it mentions there, uh, Satanism, uh, that they should not worship demons, materialism, the idols of gold and silver, brass and stone and wood that verse 20 uh, talks about there. We're seeing the resurgence even today of the emergence of all three of those religions. Uh, but there is also the sin of social indecency. Uh, notice what verse 21 says, nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. You know, people are going to become, uh, they're his murderers, he said, they're going to become like bloodthirsty sharks devouring and killing one another. Even today, uh, you see people uh, valuing life less and less. When it says that they're, they're, they're sorceries, other versions say they're magic arts. The word for magic arts or sorceries in the Greek is the word pharmakeia. What does that kind of sound like to us? Pharmacy. In fact, it literally means the use of drugs. Drugs in that day, it's saying, will be bought at bargain basement prices. They'll be sold uh, like drinks at a drink machine. They'll use it to, to uh, enhance kind of whatever kind of uh, things they could do to, to be involved in satanic-type uh, worship. And then there'll be the sins of sexual immorality, which we see all around us. In fact, the Greek word uh, there is porneia, where we get our English word pornography from. And this refers to all kinds of sexual perversion, whether it's homosexuality or, or molestation or rape or any of those things. And then it says, or thefts. You won't be able to trust anybody in that day. Your property will be everybody else's. What do we see happening today? You see people running into stores and grabbing merchandise off the shelves and running out, and there's nothing the store clerks can do. That's what we're going to see even more on a larger scale in that day. All of these things are interrelated because so often all of these uh, tie together. What all of this simply tells us is this, is that God is going to show through this demonic attack that the heart of the human problem, of, of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. That people don't need reformation. People don't need rehabilitation. People don't need re-education. People don't need reorientation. What people need is regeneration. People need to be saved. And the real message of this passage is, is that if you need to be saved, you can be saved if you want to be saved. And I hope you'll be saved before the war of the worlds breaks loose. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for this passage tonight. Father, I pray that in just getting a glimpse into what is going to happen in that day, Father, that it would create within us a sense of urgency to share the gospel message with those around us, to live the gospel message before people, that they will see Christ in us, they will see the good works within us and glorify our Father which is in heaven. And Father, I pray that you will use us to be a witness to those who are lost before it's too late. But Father, I pray that if there are any who are here, any who are watching online, who have never trusted by faith in Christ, Lord, at any moment, the trumpet could sound and the dead in Christ should rise to meet the Lord in the air. At any moment, Christ could come again. And when that happens and these judgments happen, it'll be too late. So help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to, to make sure now, today, before it's too late, that we know Jesus 
as our Lord and our Savior, and that our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Lord, bless us tonight. Help us to get that settled. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us uh, there online. We're glad to have you with us tonight. Uh, We'll be back again uh, Sunday morning, 9.15 for Sunday school, 10.30 for worship. Come and join us. We'll be back in the life of Jesus. Uh, Also, we'll be back next Wednesday night. I won't be here in person, but I will be preaching next Wednesday night uh, via video, whether that's uh, from somewhere else or here that I pre-recorded from here, but we'll be in the book of Revelation next week, so you won't want to miss that at all either. So bless you. You have a great week. Give me just a moment, and I'll come up and shut the live stream off.